I remember actually the point that I told my mom that I was done, like so vividly, it's funny. We were putting up the umbrella on the uh, table on, on the deck and I just remember looking at her and saying like, I am not happy. I'm miserable and I don't want to be here. I don't want to live this life. Like this is not what I want and I can't keep doing this. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that's curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and serial entrepreneur, but also someone with a love of deep conversations. Tara Leeson is my guest today. She's a planning and strategy consultant for online business owners who has experienced multiple disruptions beginning right after high school. She studied psychology, got married, had a son, then divorced, and turned to nursing. She is a lifelong learner and has navigated many identity shifts. Whether you're curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this podcast is an opportunity to learn from the experiences of my guests. I hope you'll find as much inspiration from them as I have. Let's begin. Welcome to The Hook with Sarah Larson. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Tara Leeson. Tara, I'd love for you to introduce yourself as far as what you do and all about that. Yes, definitely. So I am Tara Leeson. Um, I have two businesses currently. I have a fitness business, Tara Leeson Fit, where I coach women and it's essentially at-home workouts, easy nutrition, and I coach them to, you know, live a healthier lifestyle. A lot of them have weight loss goals, so we work through that, but it's all about making it easy for you to actually achieve that and not have to, you know, go into the realm of fad dieting and supplements and all of those kind of things. So that is the first one. And then I also work with people in their businesses and help them develop offers, their programs. And it's a lot of strategy and planning. I'm big into the planning piece, strategy, how we are actually going to get you to reach your goals. And that is by having a specific plan to get there and specific targets and things that we need to do to move your business forward. So great. And is that mainly working with online businesses? Um, It's been mostly online. So that is essentially my client base right now. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's go back in time and visit your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your family life like? Share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in Saskatchewan, Canada, uh, where it is either absolutely freezing or we go to extreme heat. So it's a very, very interesting mix there. Um, Kind of in the middle of nowhere, but (laughs) um, I grew up in Saskatoon, specifically in the city. I'm now out in Martinsville, which is a little town just outside of there, but that is where I grew up and I have one brother. He's just three years younger than me, I guess. Um, And we did not get along well 
when we were growing up. We do now, we get along amazingly now, but um, we fought a lot when we were younger. So that was interesting for my parents. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I grew up and. Okay. Now for the geographically challenged, where mm -hmm. in Canada is Saskatchewan? So we are between Alberta and Manitoba. Okay. There, and so. to get more Further specific, west. east, are you in the middle? Are you east coast, west coast? Further west, but Further there's west. still okay. two provinces before we actually get to the ocean. Okay, great. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm picturing it better now. I am yes. not um, very good at geography. That was not my no. talent or... Um, interest i should say yeah. that's me as well anytime that anyone is telling me where they're from in the u.s i'm like i yeah. don't know like some places are obvious i know but right if you're somewhere in the middle i am sorry right. <laughs> oh no it's, i'll tell you what even i grew up in the what we consider to be the midwest i grew up in michigan and mm -hmm. even i don't know all of the middle of the country yeah uh, where i kind of know generally where places are um i now live in virginia which is on the east coast and i'm oh, pretty okay. close to the ocean so it's easier to describe yes yeah yeah definitely right. so when you so why did you what what was it about you and your brother when you were younger that you weren't getting along as well as you obviously you grew out of that we did. Um, my brother, he would push my buttons all the time. And he just, he had to be doing that. I don't know what it was, but he was always pushing my buttons and I would react. <laughs> we had a lot of big fights. There was actually, my parents loved telling the story. I don't know why, but <laughs> there's a story that they always tell that they had left us in the car and went in to um, get groceries or something, went into a store quickly. And when they got to the checkout counter, the person that was working at the cash register was looking out the window at the car, watching two kids fight pretty, <laughs> you know, punches are being thrown. <laughs> you know? Wow. And my parents are like, oh, it's fine. Like, that's just our kids. They'll, they'll deal with it. And they say, they always say like the look on their face was just utter shock. But um, yeah, they always tell that story. And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all right. So you, so you had both your parents at home. And yep. so did you, um, go directly to college after high school what was your trajectory so after high school i actually moved to winnipeg for a bit of time um that was about eight hours away from where i was from and decided to move there because i had met a guy and i thought that it would be a good idea <laughs> sure it's always um, about a guy right so moved there and I really wanted that freedom away from my parents, even though they really weren't that strict. Like now you look back on it and you think like, 
you really did not have it bad. But when you're that age, you just always are, you know, thinking that it's essentially worse than it is, I guess. Um, so I wanted that freedom. I wanted to, you know, do it on my own, go out there and see what happened. So I took the bus. I put all of my stuff in massive packing boxes and it was almost too much to even take on the bus, but they allowed me to, I don't know why, but they did and took the trip out there. I think I had $200 in my bank account. Like it was ridiculous. I have no idea how this even happened, (laughs) like how I actually made it, but I did. So took the trip out there um, and actually lived with three guys in an apartment when I first moved out there, which was quite uh, interesting to say the least, not something that going back, I would choose to do, (laughs) but you know, when you're that age, you just uh, go along with what happens. And I got a job working at, interestingly, an online pharmacy. So we sold and it was it was totally legal this was not like a sketchy thing it was real we had like actual pharmacists working there and things like that but we sold medications to people who lived in the united states because it was a lot cheaper so i worked there and i essentially um was on the calls with people setting up you know what they needed things like that so that's kind of where I first worked there. And I worked there for a couple years um, because, I mean, the pay was decent and it was just, whatever, we'll do this for a bit. But I did end up going to university while I was living in Winnipeg. I went to the U of M and started on my psychology degree. I didn't initially think it was going to be psychology. I actually wanted to go into microbiology and I had this dream of studying infectious diseases, which is, well. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's not at all what I ended up doing. <laughs> right. Was that because you had been in pharmacy, working no, in the pharmacy that was, you had that interest? No, it's weird. It's something that I had always wanted to do strangely enough I would watch like documentaries and stuff even when I was younger about it just so weird like it sounds so weird thinking about it now but I just found that really interesting and you know making trying to make a cure for cancer or you know things like that that's what i really wanted to get into but when i started the microbiology courses um in the labs we were having to look through the microscopes and that to look at the cells and whatever and it made me so nauseous that i oh, couldn't no. get through the labs so that was out that's where that kind of stopped yeah yeah that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes complete sense. Um, so you studied psychology instead. That was the alternative. Yes. And that was something that I was also fairly interested in. I always thought with that, that I would end up actually working <laughs> um, 
studying like serial killers. I was, re I really love true crime. That sounds so morbid, but someone has to do it. Right. right. So I found that so interesting and that's what I had always wanted to get into. But when I finished my degree, I then learned how hard it was actually going to be to get there. And the program that I wanted to go into only took four applicants and there was um, over 200 people that applied. So your chances to get in were extremely low. And by this time, I had also moved back to Saskatchewan. Um, and they only took one person from Saskatchewan. Everyone, the other three were from elsewhere. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of deciding whether I wanted to go through the entire process because it was a big thing. Like you had to write a big paper, have a bunch of panel interviews. Like it was quite a process. Um, so I had to decide whether I wanted to do that and probably have to do it for multiple years before I actually got in or something else. So yeah. I decided that that was not the way I wanted to go. <laughs> wow. So what did you, so what did you end up doing? So when I got my psychology degree, it's kind of positioned as you can do more than what you actually can when you get it because they list all these jobs and it's like you could do all of these things but when you actually get out you realize that you need more education and whether that's getting a master's degree other certifications things like that to actually do the jobs that they listed um that was not ideal so okay. i didn't actually work in um psychology but i started working at the running room and I managed there for a bit. I was already big into like fitness, running, things like that. So it just kind of came naturally and managed there for a while, taught their coaching programs for um, running everything from, you know, learn to run up to full marathon. So did all of that. And uh, during or right before that time, I guess I had had my son. So he was in the picture. Um, and the marriage was breaking down. <laughs> yeah. So mm -hmm. tell me about that. How did you, at what point did you meet and marry your husband at that time? That was the father of your son. Mm -hmm. So we met um, when we were 18. That is who I moved to Winnipeg for, essentially. Um, and we got married when I was 21. So very young. Very young. That is very young. Um, yes. We, mm -hmm. we know so little at those at that age, but we always think that we know everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it was essentially looking back on it now, it's definitely, I felt as though I had very low 
self-confidence and I felt as though I would not be able to find anyone else if I didn't settle or take this chance. I thought that that was going to be it. So I just went with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so after your son was born, things mm-hmm. started to break well, down. Were they already, yes. you said there were already some signs, right? So yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell me so, more about this. Tell me the story. So my son came into the picture. I had him when I was 25. Um, and thinking about that now, it seems young because people have kids so much older than that, but I wasn't that young, I guess. Um, but yeah, it had already been breaking down somewhat. Uh, we didn't see each other a lot because he worked a ton. He wasn't home a lot. Um, and there was just, you know, you could feel it just wasn't right. It just didn't feel right. And, um, there were a lot of issues that should have been talked about and addressed that weren't, um, And after my son was born, it got exponentially worse because I was raising him essentially on my own. Um, I had very little help. So very little help from his dad, Mm -hmm. I should say. I, um, my parents lived really close to us, which I was really appreciative of because they helped a lot. My mom helped a lot um, and actually that is more so what my son remembers is that my mom was there a lot and I was there a lot. So. Well, that's good. He's Mm -hmm. going to remember that at least hopefully he's not remembering uh, fighting and, and things like that so much. He doesn't actually, um, he doesn't, he has said that he doesn't remember his dad being there a lot when he was younger um and he like he was three when we got divorced so he was pretty young and he doesn't remember much of anything that went on before that um I think we we tried not to fight directly in front of him um although at the end it definitely escalated and that happened Um, and that was essentially the breaking point for me. And I remember, I remember actually the point that I told my mom that I was done Mm -hmm. like so vividly. It's funny. We were putting up the umbrella on my deck, like on the uh, table on, on the deck And I just remember looking at her and saying, like, I am not happy. I'm miserable and I don't want to be here. I don't want to live this life. And I don't want to be stuck in this for the rest of my life. Like, this is not what I want. And I can't keep doing this. Wow. What did she, what was her response? Was she very supportive of you at that point? Yeah. She was, and she had seen a lot of the things that were going on. Um, 
So she didn't really ex- expect it, but it didn't come as a huge surprise to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you obviously divorced. You mentioned yeah. that that was the end of the marriage. Mm-hmm. What was what was life like? You were on your own. Did you have any support? Well, what happened was um, I actually, <laughs> when it all happened, I just decided one day that like, I have had enough. I'm not living in this anymore. I am done. This is not what I want for myself, what I want for my son. We're not doing this. Um, so I packed up our stuff and took him, not took him, but like, you know, we left and went to my parents. Uh, his dad got the house. Um, he kept the house and I lived at my parents for almost a year with my son because we had essentially nowhere else to go. I was also left with zero in the bank account because all of that was um, taken out just a couple of weeks after um, we decided to officially end things. So I had zero money zero home and had to go yeah to my parents and live there Mm -hmm. so did you oh what a that's a tough situation to be in and especially with a son as well Mm -hmm. what did you do did you were you working you, you were working at that time um i was actually in between jobs because this is the other kicker. I had just had a surgery um, a week before I decided that I had, well, actually it was two weeks because it was a week before my son's birthday. And a week after that was when we actually left. So I had just had surgery. I was not supposed to be doing much for about six weeks. Um, Not even picking him up. Like there were quite a few restrictions. Um, so I was in between jobs and luckily I was able to work at the clinic where, or the office where my mom was working because they needed someone else as essentially a receptionist. So I was able to do that. Um, and another thing that I did immediately after we divorced was separated was looked into applying for nursing because it was something that I wanted to do for a really long time. And I was really held back from doing these things and doing what I really wanted to essentially push myself forward in life. Like, you know, you were looking for growth. Mm -hmm. He wasn't interested in having you do that. (laughs) Is that, Kind of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad that you were able to get away from that. Mm -hmm. How was your 
where were you at mindset wise at that point? I mean, that's a big change. Mm -hmm. It had been, you know, an ongoing situation. Yeah. What is your thought process at this point? How are you feeling? So surprisingly, I actually felt better than I had felt in so long. I felt free. I felt just good about things. I remember me and my brother went out for ice cream or frozen yogurt and we took my son. And I remember telling him that I was like, I just feel so free. Like I can actually do things that I want to do. I can go see my friends. Like, you know, we can do this with you. And I've never, I haven't felt like this in years. And it just felt so good. Despite like some of the other things that were going on, it felt so much better. And like a huge weight was finally lifted. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, something I've been thinking about recently um, and talking about is the idea that the things that we hear and the things that we say to ourselves are very much heard in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we absorb those frequencies of the words and it affects us um, physically as well. And I can... I described recently a situation where I had let go a client that um, really was not a positive person and not a positive influence in my life, said some very unpleasant things about what I was doing. Um, This was before my coaching business started uh, Mm -hmm. in a previous, in another business. But when I let that go, it was just such a relief to be able to open my email inbox and know that there wasn't going to be um, an unpleasant message from this person. Yeah. And I can imagine that your situation must have been like 10 times that, you know, as far as the relief that you felt from no longer having that in him having access to your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways it was. There's been a lot that's happened since and I've had to really enforce strict boundaries um, and stick to that in order to not allow him access. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately when you have a child that's not, that having zero yeah. access isn't always an option and generally isn't an option. So Mm -hmm. how did you, how did you create those boundaries to make sure that he didn't have as much access to you? Um, I've done a lot of counseling. (laughs) That's been, that's great. Um, yeah, a lot of counseling. Um, and then it's just been, you know, really defining what those boundaries are and saying like, this is where communication will happen. This is what I will tolerate if this is being said or, you know, it goes here. I am not going to respond to that. We are not discussing these things because they don't mean anything to what is going on. Like they're just irrelevant. 
and we're not going there. And so it's just really enforcing those boundaries as to what I will put up with essentially and what I won't. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes sense. And that's good that you've mm -hmm. set those. Um, you got your nursing degree, right? Mm -hmm. And then what, what, how did that lead to where you are now? So yeah, interestingly, I got my nursing degree and I'm actually still, I still do nurse casually. Um, but I got that. I also um, met my now husband and we've been married for quite some time um, and had a daughter together. So when I got really into nursing because I got pregnant with her just as I was finishing. So I nursed for a little bit, went on mat leave and then came back. Um, and I was doing ward nursing at the time, which was fine, but I really wanted something more. So I took the certification to go into the ICU. Um, and that's where I have been working and I've really enjoyed that. But then of course the pandemic hit <laughs> and, you know, I think that that kind of threw a wrench in everyone's plan. <laughs> yes. It's amazing when you talk about, you know, I like to talk about disruption and that is one that, uh, you know, always has an impact on whoever I'm talking to. Um, so what, what happened at that point you were working in the hospital and yeah, I'm it sure that was crazy. It was, it really was. Um, and, you know, I had always been thinking about, I had wanted to do something with fitness for a really long time. I already had people like asking me about it and, you know, recommendations on workouts and what they should eat and da, 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 da. Um, and then, yeah, when the pandemic hit, that was a huge wake up call in terms of how we were actually being treated within the healthcare system um, as an employee, obviously, mm -hmm. but um, there were talks of, especially because we worked in the ICU, us having to isolate away from our families for weeks at a time because no one knew what was going to happen. This was before basically before any patients had even hit our hospital with COVID. Um, we had no idea what that was going to look like, how bad it was going to be. And you were hearing reports from everyone else about how bad it was. And so they were like, you know, this may be something that has to happen that you're going to have to be isolated away from your family if you're going to work here. Or it may be that the hospital locks down for a period of time and everyone just stays here, but you have to work because people have to be taken care of. And so when those talks were happening, me and my husband sat down and I said, I am not willing to put that in front of our family. I'm not willing to do that for a job. And I mean, I, I absolutely love nursing. I really, really enjoy it. Um, I love taking care of my patients and like talking to the families. Like I just, I absolutely love it. 
but I was not willing to have that come in front of my family. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you pivoted, obviously you left the hospital at that point. Um, I didn't fully leave. I stayed on casually so I could still, you know, pick up shifts and that. And as I was building my fitness business, I would still have income coming in until it, uh, built up more, but, um, yeah, I really, I was in control of my schedule. Then I could say when I was available, when I wasn't, and it worked as well around the custody schedule that I had with my son. Um, because there was a lot of issues with the transition periods and things like that. So that was kind of causing an issue already before the pandemic. And so I had kind of been thinking about going casual due to the stuff that was happening there. And then this was just like the extra push that, yeah, this is your big sign that you need to do this. So, okay. Yeah. So what did you do instead? So I started my fitness coaching business. I got certified in personal training, nutrition. I already had like education with nutrition through nursing as well. Um, And I was always in fitness. So I had been, you know, doing tons of research beforehand. Yeah. um, Into like just making nutrition easier because that's, the one thing that I think a lot of people find the hardest it's not necessarily the workouts it's getting consistent with the workouts but that part is a lot easier than figuring out what you're going to do with your nutrition and with all of the you know crap that's out there um I wanted something that would actually work for a normal woman yeah. You know, not someone who's got a million hours in their day. It's not, you know, an influencer plan that, you know, you have to meal prep every day for 10 hours at a time. Like nobody has time for that. Yeah. So I was already looking up these things and um, decided to start doing coaching on them. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then, so what then there was a transition because, or Mm -hmm. I'm assuming there was another transition. Um, But let's talk about what was that like? um, How were you feeling when you realized that the situation with the hospital wasn't going to work for you? You know, that's another, I mean, obviously the overreaching disruption is the pandemic, but the effect that it had on our positions, on the careers that we had, on so many different careers, was really um, what sort of sent a lot of people off the rails with, yeah. you know, what is it like working from home and what does it look like and um, how do we adjust to the mindset of having lost a job or changed that job? What was that like for you? at that point? Um, it was interesting. I talked again, a lot to my counselor about it. Um, because it was a struggle. It was, you know, nursing was something that I really wanted to do and still love, 
so it was hard still making that decision, even though I knew it was the right one. It was very, very tough to actually make that decision and then decide to, you know, balance that and build my business and do the both of them. Um, But counseling definitely helped me work through that a lot and just remind me of, you know, why I was doing that, why I was making that choice. And so, yeah. Well, it's good. It sounds like it was a good thing then that you were already doing counseling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, ongoing. And it provided you with some help that a lot of people didn't go look for until Mm -hmm. much later. And um, when things had gotten much worse up here, Mm -hmm. that that's really great. And then you are also doing this consulting coaching with Mm -hmm. businesses to help create offers. How did you get, how did you transition from the fitness into that? So interestingly, (laughs) this is kind of a funny story, but I, I had been doing the fitness coaching for almost a year and a half and well, yeah, about a year and a half and I was enjoying it, but I had gone through a program with a coach that used a very cookie cutter model. Like you had to do it this way. You have to have the one-on-one coaching and the group coaching and whatever, and that really did not feel good to me, but I thought that that was the, that was the way that this had to work. Like that was the way this had to happen. And I was really starting to resent the business because it didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel good. I didn't like the idea of, you know, now you should raise your prices even more. And I was like, no one's going to pay this this is insanity. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this. I don't like that. There has to be more affordable options. And I kind of got to the point where I resented it so much that I was getting sick of even talking about anything having to do with fitness just because I didn't like how it felt. Yeah. And I had already been, it's funny, helping people on the side especially some girls that had been in this program with me, they were asking me a lot of business questions and asking me different things. And I was helping them with their businesses um, and growing them. And I was finding that I was going to different, you know, free workshops, masterclasses, things like that. And looking at it from a business perspective, rather than how would this fit into my fitness business? Right. And I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. I know that, you know, I have the experience from other things. I have, you know, managed businesses. I've had teams of people. Um, I've created programs through um, the College of Nursing, actually, Um and done all of these things. Like I know that I can do this. So I decided to go for it. (laughs) I had a different, well, I have a different mentor now. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm in another mastermind, which has been amazing. And so we talked it through and came up with a plan. And so I started 
integrating this uh, other side with the offers, the programs and the strategy and the planning. Cool. I've seen the similar type of thing where mm -hmm. there's this very specific, you have to do this, 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 and this, yeah. and, and this is how you become successful. I took a course from another big name mm -hmm. that said, this is how you need to do it. And it was so detailed and so step-by-step -step. it's simple to go through. However, mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like it was the right thing for me. And I just yeah. feel like one of the things that I've really focused on in my coaching is that there is no cookie cutter that yes. fits every business. Yeah. We have to figure out what is right for our business, mm -hmm. for what feels good to us, what feels aligned for us. And it may not be charging crazy prices. It may not be um, doing your launch a certain way where you do this, you know, webinar and that webinar, and then you mm -hmm. get them in your lead, you know, the, the process. And I feel like the other, the other part of that is that the world and the online world is evolving and people are hip to that cookie cutter way in. And we have to come up with ways that our uh, people are looking for more authenticity. Yes. And so it's really letting them get to know you. And yes, they can get to know you in that stair step way. But if you're not, if you're not comfortable with doing that, then it's going mm -hmm. to come across that you're not comfortable with yes. that. You're not going to believe in your offer. You're not going to be comfortable talking about your offer and therefore it's going to flop yes so yeah. i love to hear that you also saw that <laughs> and oh, decided yeah. to do something about that so yeah. tell me a little bit more about your approach are you specifically well, working with women i do work with yeah i do um, work with women okay um and it's really actually creating a plan as to how we're going to reach the goals that you want to reach. It's none of this, like we're having divine downloads and connecting with the stars. Like it, that's not, that's not real business. Mm -hmm. So we talk about actual business processes and like things that you need to do and um, put in, put together like a visibility plan. How are you getting yourself out there? How are you creating brand awareness? And it was very interesting because going back to the other coaching program, yeah, this was something that was not talked about. Like I didn't even know that the networking that I know now exists. I had no clue that these things were going on. I see. Um, there was no talk of collaborating with anyone and it was almost like you would be shunned if you did that. Like, it was like, we don't do that here. Oh, wow. It, it was very strange. So we talk about visibility plan and how you can get out there, create brand awareness. Um, we talk about your offer and, you know, building that so that it not only works for your clients really well and what they are needing, but also for your life. So, because there's so many people that will just throw something out there and they don't actually think through, okay, how many hours am I going to have to put into this to run it? 
yeah. and then to do all the back end work to keep it running. Like there's so much that, you know, you need to actually consider before you just throw whatever out there. And when you look at how you want your lifestyle to be, because I feel like we created businesses so that we could have that more, like more time freedom, um, have that flexibility, all of those things. And if you're putting so much on your plate or you're structuring your offers, your programs in a certain way, it may not allow you that. So you have to always be thinking about what that's going to look like as well. Um, clear messaging is another big one and making sure that people actually know what you do. There's quite a few people that you can go on their Instagram or go through their content and you still have no idea what they actually do. So making that very clear so that people know what to expect. And that's the other thing, letting them know what to expect. <laughs> like, you know, letting them know what's included, all of the things. It's none of this, oh, I'm going to hide that. And like, you'll just see it later. Um, being really clear about this, because that's how people are going to want to work with you when they know what they're actually getting out of it. And then the connection piece and connection, building community. How are we going to, you know, I don't, I don't actually love the term lead gen, although that's what it is, but it just, it breaks it down into like such a robotic kind of thing where you're just, when you think of lead gen, you kind of think of sending out the cold messaging. Right. Right is not at all what I do or what I have my clients do. Um, but it is instead <clears throat> creating authentic connections with people so that then they want to know more about you and how they can work with you. It's not going in and, oh, you know, how's your business going? Are you at six figures yet? You know, no, like actually connect with them over something real. We are all real people, regardless of the fact that like we're on Instagram on the social media platform. So that reminds me of one that I just want to tell you about. Mm -hmm. This is, this is one I keep getting from somebody who has followed me. This is what I dislike. Okay. Follow me. So I don't know who you are. I know nothing about you. You followed me yep. and then you send me a DM and say, Hey, how's Instagram working for you? Okay, real subtle because first of all, I know exactly you were trying to engage me in a conversation for me to tell you that Instagram's not working for me and oh, I can help you with that, blah, blah, blah. That is not genuine. No. Nor is it natural. No. If you want to create a conversation with someone, you comment and engage in their um, posting on yes. what they're talking about. Engage there, create a real conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, great. Hey, I see that. Or this is one I love. Hey, I love your con I love your content. I love connecting with people. And then you start a conversation, they go, so what do you do? Mm -hmm. Oh, you love my content, but you don't know what I do. And I know that it's out there. 
Like, first of all, you yeah. didn't, you know, like my podcast is very evident on my feed and Instagram. And mm -hmm. so I know that just at a glance, you can go, oh, I see you have a podcast. Tell me more about that. Yes. Well, hey, here's a, here's a suggestion. Go listen to an episode or even yes. just a little bit of an episode. Get a gist for what it is that I do. If yeah. you want to cultivate me as a client, you better not come at me with that generic crap that you obviously didn't do any research. You're just, you know, DMing everybody. Yes. Yes. So it's fair warning to anybody who's trying to get my business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not how I roll. No, no, it's so, it's so strange to me because, and I, you know, I always think of, and I know I've said this before in, in my stories or whatever, somewhere, would you say these things to a person in real life? If you were first meeting right. someone, is that what you would say to them? Is that how you engage people in everyday life? Right. No. So why are you doing it on the internet? It's the same thing. Just because we aren't face-to-face, -face, you're still talking to a real person. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's so strange. It you have to, yeah. you know, you go into it and here's... Um, it's funny, I was just talking uh, about in one of my other networking groups, talking about the Ten Commandments of networking. And the mm -hmm. first is thou shalt not sell to me. When yeah. you're meeting somebody for the first time, you don't immediately go into your pitch. That's not how that works. No. In person, it shouldn't work that way online either. No, no. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's so strange to me. It's so strange. And I will say even you know, when I am talking to someone, if they ask me a question about my coaching, or they have a question about something, I will answer in the DMs. Like I'm not going to coach them specifically, yeah. but I'm also not one of those people that gatekeeps things and is like, oh no, you have to pay me thousands of dollars before I will ever answer your question. Like yeah. just connect with people normally, right. be a normal human being like yes yeah absolutely that's just not how i work and and i really wasn't on instagram before mm -hmm. starting my coaching business so yeah i really avoided social media like the plague yeah. <laughs> and so when i came back it had been several years before that i really not interacted and to discover all of these tactics that i was just like i do not yeah. like this at all yeah. And so that has definitely maybe impeded my or spurred on my reluctance to use a lot of, of those tactics, but also I still don't love <laughs> social media. And I think mm -hmm. that some of my um, posts and things are not, I haven't gotten that good at it or really work yeah. that hard at it because I don't love a lot of those tactics. So I'm trying to yeah. figure out a way that is comfortable for me mm -hmm. uh, that feels more natural. Well, and I think right now it's, it's tough because it's very, it's weird what is happening in the coaching industry. Mm -hmm. And I actually talked about this today on my stories, and I'm going to be talking about it more because I found a couple of other people who are really speaking up about, you know, what's happening at 
essentially the highest levels of coaching mm-hmm. that, you know, mega boss babes for lack of a Oh God, I hate that term so much. I love it about as much as I love hustle. Yeah. I hate that word. (laughs) Boss babe, hustle, girl boss. Oh, I know. (laughs) So I'm not opinionated at all, as you can tell. (laughs) Yeah, right? No, me neither. (laughs) I'm very careful about what I cultivate, what I curate for my Instagram feed and my Facebook feed. I really am very careful about what comes in here uh, into my head because there's a lot of nonsense out there. And there are people that even others really like Mm -hmm. that I go, "Mm, that's just not for me. And I don't like the message that I'm like, I don't feel good about the message that I'm being sent. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna turn that off so that I don't have to hear that. Mm -hmm. And it means that you know, I don't really follow a lot of people mm-hmm. because I'm just that careful yeah. about what's coming in. Yeah, that's what I've done as well. And actually, when I went back into, well, back into, I just took a little break from the fitness business mm-hmm. and I completely remodeled it. It's totally different and it okay. feels amazing now and it's doing so much better. But um, I went back on that one as well and I just did a bunch of housekeeping essentially deleted a bunch of people muted people cleaned up stuff and when I started my um, business one I was just super intentional with Mm -hmm. who I was going to follow who was going to be on there yeah I I agree too and um, I think that I was most excited when I found out that you can actually unfollow people from you Mm-hmm. let people go they don't have to know well let's um we'll we'll kind of wrap up here but where can people find you on the internet for sure so i have my two accounts at tara leeson fit is my fitness one and then at tara.leeson is my business one so okay. either of those you can find me i am open to normal dm conversations right <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for your time. So it was so nice to get to know you a little better today. Thanks for having me on. You can follow Tara on Instagram at Tara.Leeson or TaraLeesonFit to learn more about her offerings. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook at I am Sarah Larson. That's Sarah with an H and Larson with an E. Links for both of us can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I've received amazing feedback from listeners like you who tell me they are inspired by my guests and after listening feel as though they've made a new friend. I'm an avid podcast listener myself, and I know how many options are available. So your encouragement really means a lot to me. The number one way that people find podcasts is through the recommendation of a friend. If you liked this episode, take a screenshot and send it to someone you think will enjoy it or share it on social media. Tag me so I can give you a shout out. A great way to say thank you is to leave a five-star review. My desire is that as many people as possible will be inspired by the stories shared here. Thank you, friends. See you next time.